When Amanda finds out what's really going on in the movie is when her character finds out. So she actually <laughs> thought Christine was walking onto set and blowing the shot for a oh second. Oh my God, that's amazing. Right? But luckily she stayed yeah. in. I was like, nope, it's all good. Christine's supposed to be there. Keep going. And she's like, oh. But and and this but this is to the credit of, of, of people like Amanda Bruegel, who, you know, a lesser actor would have been like, no, stop. You got to walk me through what we're doing. Where she was just, she really trusted in the process and trusted in me to go, I'm gonna give Jeremy the benefit of the doubt. I think everything inside of her was screaming to get the fuck out of there. Today on the show, we are joined again with film director Jeremy Lalonde. We're a big fan of his flicks, and he joins us today to talk about his latest one titled Ash Grove. It just finished its theatrical run and is now on VOD. And what's amazing about this film is it was shot in chronological order and Jeremy explains how a lot of the actors were kept in the dark and were revealed the twists and turns of this movie as they were filming to get the real raw emotions and the intensity totally comes off in this film. Definitely recommend it. And beyond talking about behind the scenes of that film, we talk about his future release titled Daniel's Gotta Die, which happened to be Bob Saget's very last film. And Jeremy explains the special bond and friendship he made with Bob Saget over that time. Some really cool stories and many other things throughout this episode. I love this conversation and I hope you vibe with it too. And we're going to get right into it right now. This is a saying that, uh, like, I remember we had like a great episode and I don't remember like what we talked about, but there's like a saying, it's like, sometimes you don't always remember what somebody said, but you remember how they made you feel. And I just remember you coming into the studio that one day and it was just a good time. And I was, I was like left like with a big impression from you. So I was happy when uh, you hit me up about your new film. Oh, thanks. That means a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, even before I dive into that too, I think one thing that I thought was super cool um, during the credits of the film, there was a quote and I actually took a screenshot of it on my phone right here. Right. It said, uh, make something you're proud of. And if nobody likes it, fuck them. And it was yep. dedicated to, is this like a friend of yours or is somebody? That was my that? high school drama teacher, Donna McEachern. Um and she was uh I'm glad nobody's asked me about this. So you're the you're the you're getting the scoop on this question. Um she was my high school drama teacher, Don McEachern, and unfortunately she passed away while we were making or just before we made the film. Oh damn. Um and she was easily my she was kind of my mom passed away when I was in high school, and so she kind of became a surrogate mother to me in a lot of ways and was definitely one of like my biggest creative influences and supporters in just and her and we said that uh before every single performance we did in high school we had this uh, meeting in one of the dressing rooms um and the whole cast and crew was surrounded around and she'd give like our pep talk right and then she'd end it saying and if and if they don't like it and we'd scream back fuck them and I love and I carried that with me my entire career because what I loved about that mentality was that it's like you work your hardest, you do everything you can to make good art or whatever you're making. And after that, you can't control how other people feel about it. Mm. And so it's just kind of like I love that mentality of if they don't like it, fuck them. It's not meant to be rude to the audience. 
is meant to just go, I can't control how you feel. I can only control what I've made up to this point. And if you don't like it, hopefully I'll learn from that. But at the same time, it's what it is. And you just have to, as an artist, be proud of what you put out into the world and hope that other people take away something of what you've tried to achieve. Yeah, that's an amazing message. And that's so cool that a high school teacher would have that type of mantra too. Because I remember like my high school days and it was kind of like, the people who would teach me are like kind of proper they wouldn't even drop like an f-bomb or something unless you pushed them to a certain limit and well what was kind of awesome was that she didn't she never swore it was us that swore back at her right Uh, and so it kind of made it work and i think it all started as uh as a joke um where i think years before i was in drama she used to say if the audience doesn't like it who cares like that and then one year, one student shared back, fuck them. And it became like a thing where I, I hope they still do it. I don't think they don't still do it today, but maybe they do it at the school, even though she's not there anymore. I hope it's a tradition that's carried on at Cuga Secondary School drama program. That's powerful. Well, I took yeah. a screenshot of it and uh, I feel like I'm really vibing with that. So I made it my background as well, too. That's the theme um, of this week. So. Yeah, I want I feel like I need to carry that with me as well, just with some things I'm doing. So super cool. And uh, that made yeah, my thank day. you for uh, sharing uh, her mantra with us, too, as well. And even like I wanted to ask if like with that and this film, uh, Ash Grove, that uh, just came out, like it's been doing like a theater run. And you mentioned to me it's going to be on like VOD and stuff like that. I noticed like I've watched a couple of your past films and there was more like a comedy element to that where mm. this one it's uh has a serious tone too and did you feel like just having like maybe that spirit of like trying something new and if again if if they don't like it fuck them you know type of thing cuz you're so used to something uh or like where the audience is kind of used to you be having like that silliness to your films and sure. this one was just straight up seriousness. Like, yeah, definitely having like Donna's voice in my ear saying it doesn't matter. Like just make something that you want to make and don't worry about, because like you said, I, I'm, you know, more or less known for comedy. <laughs> and so, you know, that's kind of what people expect of me. So doing something like this is, you know, I mean, is it a risk? I don't know. Maybe a little bit of a risk, but it was something that I think at this point in my career, I just wanted to branch out anyway. <laughs> um, and just in the nature of the way we made the film, it, we, you know, we didn't know, I knew it wouldn't be a straight comedy, but it's like maybe some more comedic elements would have found themselves inside of it. You know, they didn't necessarily, there are some moments that I think make people make, have made audiences laugh when I've seen the film, uh, you know, probably in the uncomfortable, awkward moments, but you know, those are somewhat by design as well. Um, but for me, yeah, it was just really, uh, really important to really challenge myself on this one and just try something that I've never done before in a lot of different ways, but, you know, kind of removing the need to try to make it funny was kind of a, a a relief in a lot of ways. You know, I've often said in the past, I mean, I think comedy is harder. Comedy is a really, really hard medium to do well because you have to be super original in comedy. You know, people don't laugh at the same jokes over and over again. You have to elevate it or, you know, turn it into something new or find something new. You know, comedy, I think comedy is the hardest medium to work in or not medium, but genre to work in. 
So there was some kind of a relief to not have to worry about relying on that and digging into those sides of my my sensibilities. Hmm, yeah, very interesting too. And one thing uh, I loved about your films too is I think you're fantastic with just people dialogue too, whether mm. it's funny or serious. And I noticed like this one was like very intense too. Like I was just like to the point where I'm trying to explain it, but I also don't want to ruin the film as well. But uh, that's okay. Yeah. I was kind of uh, just like very like locked into it and like uh, it's got to be a challenge too when you write this to find the right actors as well and i kind of want to know a bit of your process of finding the right people to fit your words that you've written and everything well um i can't actually take credit for any of the dialogue in this film because the film was actually improvised oh no way dialogue yeah so we i wrote an outline for the movie but the actors improvised all the dialogue themselves you know, I come in with suggestions and kind of like tweaks and whatnot. But for the most part, it's it's them coming up with the lines themselves. Um, but through a really what we did uh, was a really intensive uh, workshopping process with each of the actors and the cast members and, you know, work to really create their characters, create their relationships with each other. But then when we shot the film, we shot it in chronological order. And the actors only knew what had happened up to that point in the story. And then they just relied on me giving them, uh, you know, an objective for the scene we were about to shoot. And that's how we, we proceeded. Whoa, that's, that's super cool. (laughs) Do you usually do this kind of stuff with your movie? Okay. Okay. No, no, no. This is, and again, this is another part of the experiment of this film of going, why don't we try to make a film in a way that we've never done it before? Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll make it so the story is fairly self-contained in mostly one location so that we could shoot in chronological order and it wouldn't be um, a challenge on the crew or the cast or whatnot. And we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't bar any ex- additional expenses by by going that route. So uh, it was something really, really refreshing. I, I, I always have an element of improvisation to my movies because I like I like actors to make the words comfortable inside their mouths. I'm never, um, you know, super strict with that where with where commas land and whatnot in particular words if they want to change something i'm always game for it if they want to try a joke that's fine too i don't love kind of the the stereotypical comedy improv where it just becomes who's the funniest and who wins the scene i don't Mm -hmm. find that's really great improv i like it when it's focused and it's around still the moments and the characters and that kind of stuff for me that's the best kind of improv and so I try to find actors that are really great at that, that, you know, don't necessarily veer off and go in a totally different direction, but understand that they need to still like find the dramatic core to the scene. Even if it's a comedy, what's the what's the dramatic impulse and core to the scene? And then you can play around that. And I've been really fortunate in my career to work with some of what I think are the best, especially in Canada, in terms of improv actors. That is so cool. Like, yeah. And I never even heard of like a process like that where you're kind of like giving them sprinkles of the story with bullet points and see how they do. And it's just uh, like you can kind of like now, like thinking about the film, too, you can kind of feel like it's in the moment type of thing. You know, it's and I think that was what leads to the immediacy of it and kind of the way they bounce off of each other. It feels you know, there's a bit of documentary feel in that where you feel like there's some scenes, especially the ones where Amanda and Jonas are really going at each other, 
where you almost feel like, oh, this is, they're getting really personal and it's a bit uncomfortable and maybe I shouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like even like, I felt like uh, in those moments too, like I'm the type of person where like, I'm not good with like confrontation. So <laughs> even like watching it too, I was just kind of like shriveling up. I'm like, do I need to take a break from this movie? Maybe press pause and like <laughs> take a breather, but um, well done. Long story short, it was uh, pretty cool with the tension and everything. And um, not to spoil a twist too, but did so they didn't know about like kind of that big twist and other layer to the movie at all, right? Or so um, we can say spoiler. I think spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen the movie? Maybe go check it out and come back to this moment in the podcast. So there's the. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll try to talk about it without getting the spoilers too. Mm-hmm. So there's a big twist about two thirds through the movie where you realize there's something been going on behind the scenes that you weren't aware of uh everyone in the movie except for amanda's character who plays jennifer ashgrove they all knew about it they all knew that this was going on in the background because they had to because they had to because their characters would have known about it right they were all aware of this and so you know just because of that i felt it was necessary for the actors to know that and, and kind of be part of that discussion amanda had no idea when amanda finds out what's really going on in the movie is when her character finds out. So when you see her learning about it on camera, that's when her character's learning about it. When she drives out of the driveway in that scene and Christine Horn, who plays the doctor, stops her, Amanda had no idea what the fuck was going on. She just thought, all I told her is like, we're just going to, we just need a shot of you getting out of the driveway. And that's all she knew. So she actually (laughs) thought Christine was walking onto set and blowing the shot. Oh second. my god, that's amazing! Right? But luckily, she stayed yeah. in. I was like, "Nope, it's all good." Christine's supposed to be there. Keep going, and she's like, "Oh," but and and this, but this is to the credit of of, of people like Amanda Bruegel, who, you know, a lesser actor would have been like, "No, stop! You got to walk me through what we're doing." Where mm-hmm. she was just, she really trusted in the process and trusted in me to go. I'm gonna give Jeremy the benefit of the doubt. I think everything inside of her was screaming to get the fuck out of there. You know, mm-hmm. I think. After she called her agent, she's like, I don't know what the hell's going on in between like the before between that and the real reveal. She called her agent. She's like, I don't know what the hell's going on. This is either amazing or terrible, but uh, (laughs) I'm on some kind of a weird ride right now. That's so cool. Yeah. And I was going to ask kind of like, what was her reaction uh, when the when the scene is done and then she finds out the reveal and everything but that kind of answers that question too it's like I yeah i don't fucking know where this movie's going but she loved it we were nervous yeah. i can send you we actually um made a behind the scenes documentary of making the film that's gonna hopefully be out in 2023 um but i will as a, as a gift to you i'll send you a preview of it oh, uh, just amazing. a couple of the scenes and that scene in particular is inside of it where you get to see her learning about it for the first time Oh, cool. Would no. you mind if I like posted like a 10 second clip or something like uh, or you probably no. can. I, I posted uh, something on um, on Instagram recently um, that has uh, about a minute from it. So, yeah, if you want to lift something from it, uh, you know, let me know what section and I'm sure that'd be fine. OK, cool. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll talk about that after. No, that's so, so cool. And yeah, yeah, that's that's such an amazing process, man. Like that's something I never heard of, too. And um. Do you feel like in the future you might uh, do fit more films this way? Or is this kind of like a one-off? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 intoxicating to work that way, especially when you're lucky enough to work with the kind of actors that I got in this film. Uh, it's hard to 
create a story that you can shoot chronologically, that's the more challenging aspect. Uh, figuring out what's a story that you could tell that's interesting all in one location that you could shoot in chronological order. Um, I definitely want to create, uh, and I kind of am working on it right now, another project that's uh, heavily outlined and created with actors and, and, and largely improvised on the day. I think that one won't be able to shoot in chronological order. So I think the actors will have to know a bit more than this but for me for this one it was more about amanda not knowing because i wanted to also just see what happens when an actor finds out a giant twist on camera yeah you know there's lots of movies that have big giant twists in them but you know the actor always knows they're coming because you know movies are shot out of order and whatnot so part of the trick that was also like can we because amanda was attached to the movie about a year before we shot it as we were developing it and whatnot and she has a writing credit on the film as does jonas chernick because of how intense they were involved in creating their characters, but also just all the dialogue as well. So, you know, but that was also the trick of like not tracking who knew what, because each of the characters and actors had secrets from each other, right. That they couldn't reveal or that would be revealed on camera. You know, Jonas has his own in the final scene. He learns a, a pivotal piece of information in the very final scene of the movie. Um, and then other characters have other little surprises along the way as well. Oh, that's so amazing. And uh, yeah, like I mentioned, I'm kind of a, a big fan of your past films as well. And um, yeah, for my, I think uh, my introduction to you was uh, The Go-Getters. Oh, wow. And, um, <laughs> that's a very different <laughs> film from this. Very, very. So it was, I was going to say, like, I was, I saw the trailer to Ash Grove and like, I knew it was going to be something different too, but uh, it's um, in a way to like, uh, it surprised me too in a in a good way it just kind of showed like uh how talented you are and like the people you get uh, on your crew and stuff just to do different things too and uh are you always trying to find like a way to do something different so your your films aren't repetitive or anything for sure like i mean especially yeah. at this point in my career i mean i'm a fan of even though i've done you know primarily comedy up to this point um, I'm a fan of all genres of all different kinds of movies. I grew up just like binging as much of everything I can. And so for me, as, as I move further along in my career, I've got like, you know, certain genres that I'd love to play with and, and, and dip my feet in and see how I do, you mm -hmm. know, uh, you know, so that's, so doing something that's kind of like a psychological drama was definitely one of the things on my list. Uh, I definitely want to, you know, I, I, right after this, I shot a comedy that's going to be coming out next year called Daniel's Got to Die. So I kind of, but that's a bit of a, like a dark comedy, thrillery kind of movie. So it, it's, again, a slightly different, a different tone and genre for me as well. But I definitely want to experiment and play within where I've been. Like, I kind of don't really, I'm definitely not a, a filmmaker, even though, like I said, comedy has been my wheelhouse, that I feel like I need to be boxed into a certain thing you know i think it's uh, i think that helps at the beginning of your career to kind of like establish that you're good at something but then as you go along you just you know my own tastes and my own personal things shift and whatnot and so uh i uh, i think you know the kind of stories and, and movies i'm going to make moving forward are going to reflect that yeah, so cool. And uh, yeah, you mentioned uh, Daniel's got to die and uh, or gonna die or gotta die. Got, gotta die. Gotta die. Gotta die, too. And uh, I even noticed uh, when you were making it uh, on your Facebook, you had Bob Saget on the cast. And um, 
today as I was like scrolling your IMDb, another article came up and it said that it was his very last movie as well, too, which is um I don't know. That's that's a must see for me too. like a longtime Bob Saget fan. And I just kind of want to know how was it like working with him on a set on one of your your films? But it was such a gift, especially, you know, now that we all know that it was Bob's last experience um, on a film. Anyway, he still went, he was doing a comedy tour when when he passed. Um, uh, it, was, it was really lovely. Bob's Bob's got a heart of gold. You know, and uh, and, you know, I think like all comedians, um, you know, there's comedians are an interesting bunch. And I include myself in this that it's like we're, you know, we're we're, we're tricky people who um, are not always at our happiest. Right. And so with Bob, what was fascinating about that was that it's like, you know, when, when we don't feel like we have to be turned on and we have to be like just, you know, whatever it is, uh, performing for for people you really get to know a person right and so what was really special about that time with bob for me was that i felt like we were able to turn that side of ourselves off and be real people around each other so i got to really know bob because we were all stuck in the cayman islands for about two months and uh and living kind of like camp life uh out of a hotel so we you know we'd we'd, we'd be shooting during the day we'd we went sea doing on the on the weekends and, when, and he and he and I crashed a wedding on the beach one night and <laughs> nice. you know, have uh I'll, you know it, it's 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 a very short period of time in my overall life but it's one that leaves a lasting impression because um he was such a special person um and and became a real friend uh you know throughout that process that I kept in touch with literally I spoke to him two days before I found out that he passed away um, oh, damn. so so I was even more shocked when I got the call. Um, cause he was so, he was just in such a great spirit. He was out touring, um, and just doing what he loves to do, which is make people laugh. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. That's, that's so cool that you had that experience with him too. And like you mentioned, like most people only see him when he's on, you know, like I grew up watching him too. And, um, like, I can't, like, I, I don't know who the real guy is too. Like there's not many like documentaries where he's just kind of just chilling. It's more like, he's either doing like stand up or playing a character too. So that's a very special that you got that experience too. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of want to know a little bit about you guys crashing this wedding as well. That's oh. kind of awesome. <laughs> no, you know, that's, that's a story that is, I think I'm going to take to my grave because it's, okay. it's yeah. Yeah. Can I just ask him what was somebody's reaction of Bob Saget coming to their wedding unexpectedly? Oh, lots of double takes. Lot, yeah. Just like what? You know, um, <laughs> but he was so sweet. He like he he would take photos with people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and he left a very, I think, sizable. He just walked over to the gift table without anyone noticing uh, and just kind of like took like a wad of a small wad of cash out of his pocket and dropped it into like the wedding registry or whatever gift thing was. And not even like to make a show of it. I think he he went off and kind of did it on his own. And I just kind of oh, yeah. cut it over the corner of my eye. But that's the kind of guy Bob was. Bob was super generous, you know. Yeah. And just if someone needed, you know, a dollar, he'd give them 10 or, you know, mm. and just and but also would just give his time. Right. It wasn't just, yeah. you know, that he was just very generous with who he was as a person. Yeah. Oh, that's that's so cool to hear. And uh, yeah, thanks for sharing that as well. Also, you're no stranger for working with uh, some of these legends, too, as well with uh, James and his future self. You had Daniel Stern on your cast as well. Yeah. And um 
I actually did an interview around this movie and not with you, with Daniel Stern. And unfortunately, it was one of the few episodes that I lost with like a technical error. Oh, no. It it was right at the beginning of the pandemic. And before I jumped on the whole Zoom thing, uh, I ended up getting this recorder for my phone to record phone calls. And I did an episode prior and it worked. I did it with Daniel and we had it the episode went so well that when it finished i pressed the button off and i was just like yes i never do this when i'm done like an interview it was just we talked about the movie and beyond that he just told me like everything about home alone and the wonder years and then we just got in this long conversation about life and like just the deepest stuff (laughs) and and then i i after I start celebrating, I look on my phone and I'm like, oh my God, it's it didn't save in the thing. In the, and uh, I just remember my heart sank and I was embarrassed to tell the publicist what happened because he actually gave me extra time as well and was late for another interview. <laughs> but uh. Uh, but uh, yeah, from that moment, that, that was like just a conversation, I guess, just for me. And what a great guy. <laughs> like he was amazing. Yeah, that, and you know what? That's that's that, those things happen. It's unfortunate, but it's like you know that's something you can take away with you. Is like you got to spend some time with Danny, who is such a and again and very much like Bob, but just a, a wonderful, beautiful human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was like one of the the few interviews I was like kind of nervous about too, because I just grew up watching him. You know, he's yeah. like uh, so iconic, and I remember within like two minutes, he just like just his presence put me at ease. And then all of a sudden, it just felt like I was talking to like an old friend. It was pretty, like spooky and amazing at the same time. I find um, I've I've been very fortunate to have that experience with any like you know quote unquote famous people I've I've gotten the, the chance to know or meet or work with, where they're very good at putting you at ease very quickly. Especially if you're in any kind of a professional environment where you're going to be working together in some capacity, they want you to not like. Yeah, I think they know that you're going to fanboy out a little bit because it's mm-hmm. just like you can't not so they they kind of like they have tricks and stuff i think they they they, they use to just instantly disarm that and make you realize they're a human being yeah definitely yeah yeah even like I, I remember like a really cool moment when we were talking uh i kept the interview focused on james and his future self and I remember in the movie, there was just kind of like a theme of living in the present moment. And I, I brought that up like when our time was supposed to be done in 20 minutes, I was like at the 19 minute mark and just be like, oh, yeah, I, I forget exactly how I worded it. But I was just like, oh, and I didn't talk to you about like Home Alone and all this because uh, like just I, I connected it with the movie about like just being in the the current moment type of thing. And he's like, oh, yeah, we can talk about that. And like gave me like an extra like half hour of his time. He's like, yeah, I'll talk about like all the past and everything. But uh, yeah, again, what what a great guy. And uh, it's so cool that uh, you get to to work with somebody like that. And I kind of want to know a little bit about like the behind the scenes of that movie as well, because that was a wild one. Sure. That's a while back now. Uh, Anything in particular you're curious about? Um, just maybe even just the concept. It was kind of like a, a Back to the Future, but like a little like from what I remember, just f- 
fucked up and had your sense of humor into it and like it was yeah uh... there's a giant dick joke about 10 minutes in um you know on on par for a jeremy lalonde film uh yeah that was the film that jonas and i wrote together uh similar to how we kind of brainstormed this movie my new movie ashgrove as well and that just came out of um jonas and i sitting down one night talking about you know what's what's something that we could write together we're interested in and Jonas um, had one idea, which Jonas always says he only has one idea at a time, which I don't think is true. But he's like, I have one idea that I've been thinking about. And it's about, you know, basically man versus himself, literally. And I was like, OK, what do we do with that? Um, you know, what's what's that? So my and, and because we're both nerds. Instantly, my brain went time travel. OK, so there's an element of time travel there. So maybe it's like an older version coming to warn a younger version about something. Right. And what could that be? And then we just continued to like back and forth it, trying to figure out what is this thing about? And it took us a while to land on, on it. The very first title, which is, I'm so embarrassed by the very (laughs) first title for the film was James, the time travel bitch. Um, (laughs) I actually love it. (laughs) It was a very hard to market though. Right. Yeah. Pre 2018, it was not a bad title, but it was just, it just, it never continued to sit well as we continued to evolve it. But also, the movie and the themes of the movie shifted and changed. And it took us a while to kind of figure out what the movie was about, which was really about a a movie about a, a man obsessed with time travel who had to learn to live in the present uh, and be present. And that was, once we figured that out, it was like, ah, I know what this movie's about. Because at the time, too, I think, you know, I wasn't for sure. Uh, I I, no, I don't want to speak for Jonas, but I know for sure I was just going through, you know, my own challenges with that in my own life. And this idea of like just being present, especially, you know, as someone who is, you know, fairly work focused and whatnot and career obsessed at times uh, and having a young family, having, you know, two young kids and, and, and a, a crazy, amazing wife uh who you know puts up with me being away for certain stretches and and working weird hours and whatnot and i think i was sitting you know at the table one night and it was dinner time and i had my phone on me and you know it a message went off and i went to answer it my wife was just like do you need to do that right now and i'm like yeah i'm about to i'm in prep on something and i gotta i I have to get why it's rude if i don't and whatnot and so she said something, and I can't remember exactly the way she said it, but I reworded it that became a line in the movie that wherever you are, be all there. Um, you know, I think she said something like, if you're going to be here, be here, mm. you know, and, and I really took that to heart and going, right, if, you know, I'm not really spending time with you or with my kids if I'm on my phone and half listening, right? So, you know, I, you know, from that point on, we tr- we tr- we've tried our best to like institute, you know, no screens at you know the dinner table kind of rule and you know if i'm with someone i turn my phone off i put it down if i go out for lunch with somebody i try not to touch my phone and i just try to like really really focus on being where i am as opposed to like my head constantly somewhere else you know if i go for a walk i don't always bring my phone or i don't always have to listen to a podcast or music sometimes i'll just enjoy the sounds of the world and 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 so i was really going through this idea of like mindfulness and being present and so that was kind of what that movie was about for me it was like a man learning a man whose brain was like so busy having to learn to chill the fuck out that's so cool and 
and a solid message as well too um i feel like sometimes we all need that reminder too because it's almost such like an addiction everybody has now of their screen time and even um as a like a nervous twitch when somebody's like out in public or whatever if they gotta wait for a moment or whatever immediately phone phone and uh that's something i've been like conscious about lately as well too where my like, kids uh, do it now. My kid, my son's yeah. 14 and he, you know, he has his first phone and he's bad with that too. If he has three seconds. He just grabs it. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you wait, you can wait three seconds. You don't have to like jump and do something and fill your time with something. Yeah. Think definitely. about it, f- fill it with a thought as opposed to like <laughs> just constant distraction. We're just constantly distracting ourselves from our world, which is bonkers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even the other day I uh, ordered some takeout food and uh, they're like, okay, this is going to take five minutes immediately. I pulled out my phone and then I caught myself. It's just like in the infinite scroll and my brain just kind of snapped me out of it. It was like, you don't even know what you're looking for. You're just like, pull it out and just <laughs> scroll in the timeline, like maybe hoping something pops up. And then I just took a moment and put it in my pocket and I ended up talking with a person who was like very kind, you know, and it's just like made me think this is like the stuff you miss out on when you're just got your head to the screen you know yeah i've been better about that too just like striking up my dad's so good at that my dad could like just my dad will talk to anybody you know when i moved into the house we live in now i think he knew all my neighbors before i did uh because he'll just sit outside and just talk to anybody that comes by he just doesn't have any shyness around that and i I try to take a little bit of the way from that without being creepy um (laughs) And, uh, and, and I think that's a wonderful thing. Just like, fucking talk to people and just like share yourself and ask questions. And just that's, that's, and the amount of times I've walked away from those experiences and been inspired by someone to like, I'm like, that was a great thing. They said, I'm going to write that down. I might use that in something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Very important message as well too. And even like, I sometimes preach that to be in the present moment, but I don't always follow my own advice as well. Same, 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 yeah. same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm better at telling people what they need to do than like <laughs> doing it myself. But uh, I'm a yeah. parent, so I'm an expert at that. I'm an expert at not leading by example. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And yeah, it's it's cool to hear like all these deeper layers within your films as well. It's uh it's cool like how thought out stuff is. And uh I want I want to guess with uh Ash Grove, uh did you write this over or like kind of put it together over the pandemic? Because uh there's a certain theme to it where they have the their own certain t- struggles of uncertainty and in uh with what's going on with in in their universe as well yeah it became a pandemic movie because of the pandemic really um we started to develop the idea in september of 2019 so uh before the world you know before even covid was a whisper on our lips i think really Mm -hmm. i didn't start hearing rumblings about it until around december is when i started seeing things popping up on my facebook feed and we were actually a little concerned at first because we were we knew we wanted to have like a world kind of pandemic or endemic or whatever, you know, the thing in our movie classifies under. But we were actually concerned going, oh, are people going to understand like what a pandemic is like to live through? Like we're going to have to create all this backstory and explain. And then I don't want to say luckily, but, you know, the nice thing about COVID happening um, for our story anyway, was that we now had a shorthand. We didn't have to explain 
you know, the way your life changes like that and how mm. suddenly things just shift, but also just going, you know, a year into COVID, you know, even though the world was really shut down, I mean, the world looked pretty much the same. You know, we didn't have riots on the street. Things weren't like desolate. So that we also went, okay, cool. We can create a pretty realistic world like that. But then what are our versions of COVID? Like, so instead of like people being distanced and wearing masks, you know, we have people with water bottles so they can kind of track rationing their water. Uh, instead of hand sanitizer, we have like hand cream that can keep you hydrated and whatnot, lip balm, things like that that kind of work with our, our water pandemic, you know, uh, and, and, and those kind of little shorthands. But also, I think, you know, uh, the one thing I think a lot of people have, have noticed in, in, in reviews for the film is that it's like, even though it's definitely like a pandemic adjacent kind of film, it, it, it tackle, it doesn't tackle like, it tackles the human side, right? And, and all of those, like what happens when you're stuck with somebody for a long period of time, or you just, re your relationship is kind of under this, you know, pressured vacuum. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a wild coincidence hearing that uh, you kind of had the the seeds of a global pandemic in your own way. And that actually like happening like shortly after too is wow, that's uh, yeah, mildly terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> but we, yeah, but we had that was the one joke that we had later on. It's like, oh, I guess we don't have to worry about being relatable anymore. Everyone, everyone in the world is going to understand, you know, what it's like to live through something like this, sadly. Yeah, yeah. It even reminded me of like the early days of when it first kicked off and people had that fear and uncertainty of what's really going on. Like, how long is this going to be? It was supposed to be two weeks and like uh, <laughs> then it just kept going. <laughs> and then uh, and yeah, even like you kind of like it made me like watching the film uh, bring up some old emotions of what oh, it was wow. like at the very beginning of the pandemic when we really didn't know what the fuck was going on type of feeling. No, and we shot this right in the heart of it because we we were one of the first crews, if not the first in Ontario, to start shooting again because we had such a small... We had crew of 12, cast of six. That was it. And we bubbled. You know, we shot the film in 10 days um, and just, you know, bubbled between ourselves and a hotel where we, we were able to secure a whole floor of the hotel. So nobody was bumping into anybody else at the hotel and just kind of bubbled together and made a movie over the course of you know 10 days, which was really magical, too, especially at a time. You know, this was September of 2020 that we shot it. So, you know, most of us had been locked in our houses for the last five, six months and hadn't really socialized with people outside of our families or, or our loved ones. Uh, and in some cases, some of the people in the crew were living alone, you know, mm -hmm. so there was something really special about being able to come together and create something um, during that time when the world was still very much shut down. Oh, yeah, that's that was probably very therapeutic for a lot of people and probably even yourself too to just work on something you know when a lot of people couldn't yeah and in a way i was kind of self-conscious about it going is like should we be making a film right now when there's so much going on in the world and, and so much challenges but at the same time it was just like no because we need because i think that was the other thing too is like we realized how how important storytelling was during the pandemic and how that really with movies and tv is is one of the things i think they got people through it
Mm, yeah you know being facts, able to like yeah. disappear into stories and and entertainment and you know maybe take their mind off of things for a little bit and so it's like you know if anything the the, the pandemic reinforced that you know not not to say that we're as important as all the frontline workers and all those amazing people but you know there, there's a part of us that also knew that it's like you know even when those frontline workers come home they they need to turn their brain off and be entertained by something too so it's like you know, that's where we see our importance and value as storytellers going, you know, we get to help the people who have the real important jobs. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. It's like, and just like humanity itself needs that escape too. And even in different ways, you look at like the ancient times and they used to sit around fires telling stories and stuff like that. It's just like at the end of the day, they need to shut off from the reality too. Yeah. And that's always been a thing. And with like Kings human... and Queens needed jesters, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm the jester of the, the Canadian court. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of, you, I, I noticed you got Fozzie Bear in the background. Yeah. Yeah, he's the he man. I, I'm right. actually a big Muppets guy. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Was was Yeah, so apparently like Muppets was something you grew up with as well? Oh, 100%. I have my, for Father's Day, my family got me the entire Lego minifigure collection of the of the Muppets. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. also my yearly tradition of watching the Christmas Carol, um, of, which is my Same. favorite version. Same. I will. the The new Spirited is real solid. Uh, okay. The new Will Ferrell Ryan Reynolds movie, and I'm a big fan of Scrooged. So I've got a bunch like all those Dickens. Like, there's a lot of versions that I quite enjoy. The Muppet one, like the songs in the Muppet one, just really warm my heart though. Yeah, same, same. Even um, last year, me and my sister, we we were rem we remembered like an old TV special that they don't play anymore, and it was it, it we we looked into it. it was called the Muppets Family Christmas, and it had the Muppets, Sesame Street, and Fraggle Rock all coming together. And we ended up finding a YouTube video of it too, and it was it was awesome. <laughs> We're like, yeah, this is like pretty sick. <laughs> I gotta do a deep dive on that because I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah, and even like um, just the interactions of the characters together. So like they're all basically stuck in a home, and it's like a snowstorm, and like so they're at like Fozzie's mom's house, and then like the Sesame Street people pull over and come oh, in. Oh, I have seen that. I think I have seen that, actually. Yeah. And like mid, the, yeah. Yeah, one of the best gags is just the Swedish chef trying to kill Big Bird and, like, make him, like, the Christmas dinner. <laughs> like, I can't believe they're doing this. Like, But that's so classic. Good. Like, the classic, yeah. like, Jim Henson Muppets had a darkness to it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of my favorite things I've ever seen of the Muppets is if you have, like... I think even the the newer Blu-ray they put out of it, but the old DVD of the, the original Muppet movie had the screen test that they did. They shot in England before they shot the movie. And it's just like Henson and Frank Oz, and I can't remember who the third person was, just fucking around. And they're they're improvising as like um, Fozzie and Kermit and Piggy, but it's dark and funny. And at Ooh. one point, it gets there's this really existential moment where... Uh, Fozzie just turns to Kermit. He's like, you know, you're not real, right? Like, you know, like <laughs> someone's controlling your hand with a rod, and he's like, what? <laughs> and they start getting upset with each other about calling themselves not real. It's really great. That's so cool. Yeah, I gotta and, dig and, that up. 
Piggy's flirting with Kermit and Kermit's like, you realize what would happen if you and I actually had a baby? Like what, what a freak it would be. <laughs> it's fantastic. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I really got to find that. That's so funny. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm sure someone put it on YouTube, but it's on a couple of the, the bonus discs uh, for like the various versions of the Muppet movie that's come out over the years on, on discs. If you have it on disc, you might already own it. Oh, no, I don't have that one, but uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to look into it. That's uh, that's so cool. And and yeah, I always just love behind the scenes stuff anyways. And that's kind of like the reason why I do this podcast. <laughs> you know, I'm just such a geek to that and just being able to take a deeper dive into shows I love or new movies and all that. Oh, I found the link. I'm going to send it to you after and you can post it in the show notes. Yeah, it's amazing. I'll find that one for uh, the the Christmas special for you as well, too. Yeah, it's so cool, so cool. And uh yeah, even before I I wrap this up, uh I noticed you had Ash Grove like do a theater run this week. Um is it playing anywhere else or is yeah. it Yeah. Uh... Great okay, question. Cool. So yeah. right now, um as of today, which is uh I don't know when this is going up, but today's December 8th. So as of right now, it's playing at the Scotiabank in Toronto uh for at least one more week. It's going to be screening at the Apollo in Kitchener, Ontario on uh, December 10th and 13th. And if you live in the Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge area and you've never been to the Apollo cinema, it's a gem of that area. It's kind of like a smaller version of the Alamo Draft House, you know, Ooh. where they have like kind of little tabley things and uh, and a bit of a food menu and whatnot. And they do special events all the time. Great, great single screen cinema. So it's in those places. Uh, in Canada, it is on Super Channel. So if you're a Super Channel subscriber, you can watch it right now. It's also available for rent um, and purchase on pretty much all the VOD services inside Canada. And it's also available on VOD in the United States and uh, in the United Kingdom as well. Nice, nice. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great to hear. And uh, yeah, outside of that too, uh, you mentioned Daniel's Gotta Die. Do you have a date for that as well? Or I do not. We premiered okay. at the Austin Film Festival about a month ago, uh, and it went really, really well. So now we're just kind of waiting to see what the next journey on our festival run is. And I, I don't have any uh, dates or anything, but I imagine we'll aim to you know release it for the public sometime in 2023. But I, I can't even get close to confirming whether that would be spring, summer, fall, or, or winter. So, but just stay tuned. I, I promise you, if you follow me on my socials, I will blast it out as soon as I have any more information. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's cool. Like you got both these movies on deck and uh, yeah. Lastly, are you, are you working on something else or are you just like uh focus on kind of plugging these and, and a little bit, I mean, as a, as a kind of a, an indie filmmaker, you have to, have like multiple fingers and multiple pies i think just to keep anything going because you never know if something's gonna go or fall apart or something come together daniel's gotta die for example was a film that i was attached to for about four years before we finally got it to camera so i'm you know i'm always in kind of like early and mid development on various things the other thing i've been doing recently that i started doing to the, during the pandemic was i uh i went vegan um about four years ago and uh, and was posting a lot of recipes and whatnot. And people kind of encouraged me to start my own website. And through that, I actually started doing a series with Bell Five called PB with Jay, plant-based with Jeremy. Um, cool, so cool. on YouTube, I have a, a YouTube channel called PB with Jay. There's a website, pbwithj.ca, where I've got lots of 
you know, healthy, but comfort food, really delicious, tasty, not hippy dippy kind of plant-based meals that are all the kind of stuff that I grew up loving that I've been able to turn into plant-based versions that are slightly healthier and, and animal free. Oh, that's so cool, man. So that's been an interesting side project. So yeah, so I, I, I work on that quite a bit. Um, promoting these films and then I'm just in development on some, some other projects, both on, in the film and in the television world. I'm trying to, you know, that's my next big thing. I haven't really ticked off my, my list is, is to work, uh, work in television in a bigger capacity. So I'm, I'm working towards that as well. Oh, that's exciting, man. And, uh, I can't say this enough. You're fucking killing it, dude. And, uh, yeah. Hope you, uh, keep making shit that you're proud of, man. And like, just fuck them. You know, that's the, that's the <laughs> theme of a week. I got it. I got it on my background. I'm, I'm rolling with it, but uh, that makes me so happy. Yeah. Yeah. You're awesome. And, uh, thanks for your time, man. And we'll, we'll definitely do this again for your next project. Sounds good, bud. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Hope thank you have you. a great day. You too. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode with Jeremy Lalonde. I enjoyed that conversation so much. And I totally recommend you guys to go check out his latest film, Ash Grove. It's on VOD. Google it. You'll be able to find it. And we'll keep you in the loop for the release of Daniel's Gotta Die. That was cool to hear uh, those Bob Saget stories. That meant a lot that he shared that with me. And last but not least, before we go, gotta thank all you legends on the Patreon page. First up, the co-producer, Jeremy Hopkin of Hopkin Design, Amanda McKnight of Top 10 Nerd, Ryan Watkins of Ryan Radio, Mike Julio, Ryan Frickin' Campbell, Jenny Potter, Devin McBride, and one of my favorite soul singers in the city, Saber. Type in Saber into your Spotify account, hit a follow button on that. And last but not least, Francis Kopfer, aka my mom. If you'd like to support the show and get all these episodes early and uncut, right when I'm done, I take the raw Zoom call and just throw it on the page. You can go over to patreon.com slash the creative imbalance. And it's also only $3 a month. And I appreciate you guys who stuck around. I had a bit of a downtime, which I feel bad for just a bit of a burnout and some life changes with my work. And, uh, I unintentionally had to put the show on the on the side, which uh, I never want to do. But it's cool to see you guys still support. I can't thank you enough. And if I see you in real life, I owe you a hug and a beer, etc. All that, or whatever you want. You know, want me to take out the trash? You want me to kill a man for you? Like whatever. I got you. I got you guys. Call me at 4 a.m. I will help you bury that dead body. And with that being said, we got more great episodes for you coming soon. Recorded a bunch that I finally have time to edit. So, yeah, be a lookout for that, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace. Thanks again. Peace.